You're listening to Nonstop Rock Talk with Tyson Bryden. Good evening, Gary and Mike. Welcome to Nonstop Rock Talk. It's really a pleasure to have you both on the show this evening. How are you guys doing? Great, great. And Tyson, thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. We mean that. It, you know, promotion is everything in this business, so we appreciate it very much. My pleasure. Not a problem at all. Um, so I'm just kind of curious for you guys throughout... I mean, I'm going to go into the social distancing thing because I, I, I kind of like to ask the artists, I mean, how they've been coping with it and what they've had to do. Have you, have you guys been isolated or have you been able to, I mean, now when, I mean, um, we're kind of, things are opening up a bit more and whatnot, but uh, I just, I'm just kind of curious of how you guys have been coping with it. Well, it's horrific for sex, uh, but no, uh, no, uh, yeah, I, I think... I, I can speak for myself. I think Mike is close to this, too. I think I've been isolated uh, since March, the end of March, beginning of April. And basically, I, you know, I own a radio station, so I'm in, I have a satellite studio uh, right in my home. So oh, cool. I can, I do a lot of work there, a lot of production work, a lot of live stuff, too. And uh, so even though it's been a pain in the rear end, um, I'm lacking in vitamin D. That's about it for me. <laughs> Yeah, and for me, I had a cinematography business going, and uh, I was actually doing really well just before the outbreak uh, took off, and it was like, boom, just lost like, 95% of my business. So everything I'm doing right now is kind of like online for residual stuff I've already been doing uh, previously. But wow. uh, yeah, it has been a big effect on me. Oh, that's too bad. I mean, I, and, and as, as it has for a lot of people, right? It's, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a whole... <laughs> I, I have to be honest, I didn't realize, I didn't think it was going to go on this long. I mean, I didn't really understand the extent of everything as it was taking place. I just thought, okay, we're going to be a few weeks maybe. and Because honestly, this has never really happened in, in our lifetime, right? Exactly. Yeah, for sure. I know, it's, it's pretty horrible. And especially people that are older or have underlying health conditions, which I'm both... Uh, you got to be careful because the majority of people with this virus, it won't really affect them or they will have some very minor uh, issues. But, you know, people that are older or have some health conditions, it could kill them. So, yeah, yeah it is kind of a shocker and you, you want to stay away from people. And I think uh, that's what we've been doing. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so let's talk about your music, which is Walker's K. Um I'm kind of curious about the band itself and, I mean, a little bit of the hit. If you guys can give me a little bit of history on it and all those pertinent details that uh, that the listeners would like to hear. Well, as far as the history, um, the band is actually just Mike and I, yeah. and we use other people, a drummer and a bass player, for touring. Um, but the band is actually just Mike and I, and... I, I met Mike a few years back at my radio station, actually. He was a guest on another person's show, and we got to talking, and he was talking about music and sound and equipment and technology, and I was kind of enthralled. So I said, uh, hey, uh, you're a guitar player. And, you know, of course, he said, yeah. And I said, hey, would you be interested if I start a new project in the future, maybe coming and, you know, playing and seeing if we gel and if it works out, we could start a project together. And the rest is history. That's what happened. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, so, so before let's let's talk about you guys musically before 
this band? Like, what what had you? I mean, what kind of was your background? Both of you, um, obviously, you've probably been playing for years, but um, I'm just kind of curious about how uh, what what you guys had, what you've done in the past. Uh, Mike, you want to start that one? Yeah, sure. Mine would be pretty pretty short compared to yours, but uh, <laughs> yeah, basically, uh, I I really got into music or into playing guitar back when I was in high school when I first seen my first rock band at a, at a in the gymnasium and it was just it just blew me away to hear that guitar and how it sounded yeah and uh, I've been doing this off and on playing in cover bands and playing in bars and uh, you know and then I always had the technical side where I always loved to record so I've been recording uh, playing guitar doing cinematography anything to do with entertainment and that, that aspect I always had a fascination for it and uh, I just love learning uh, stuff like that yeah that's pretty cool as far as um i've had i've had some success i'd say limited success back in the 80s i was in a band uh that did very well it was on a label and toured with some very prominent people in um uh the 90s actually where it was even better for me and i guess it all started and came together i was always toying with some instruments here and there but nothing serious and once MTV came out in 1981, that's when I said, I'm changing careers. I want a piece of this. I want to be a musician. I want to do this. So I ended up uh, pursuing it since then, besides doing a lot of other things in my life. And that's basically the background and enjoyed it for many, many decades. That's fantastic. I um, I mean, I myself, I'm, a, I'm not, I'm a guitar player as well, as well. So mm -hmm. I mean, I've 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 done the cover band thing, and I've I was in a tribute band for quite a number of years, and uh, so so I can totally relate to what you guys are saying, and and Mike yeah. mentioning the electric guitar and that amplifier and hearing that for the first time, and you know, the, when I hear uh, a good guitar sound, for instance, I mean that just drives me, especially I mean you hear something on a song and you're like, wow, it's like you kind of think, man, I will. I want that tone or you know what I mean? It's just, it's just one of those things that's in the back of your brain and you're, and you're, it's always with you. Right. Exactly. Um, so, so in terms of, let's talk about the name a little bit. I understand there's a little bit of a story behind that. Yeah, there is. Uh, I'm a private pilot and back in 1997, I believe I and a couple of friends, um, we flew into the Bahamas. We were looking to do a trip kind of thing, something different. And I did some research and found this island called Walker's Cay, which was in the Bahamas. It's in the uh, northernmost part of the Bahamas. Uh, it's an out island way out north. And uh, they were actually promoting in some pilot magazines that I subscribed to. And I said, you know what? That would be a cool trip. So we decided to go, and we spent a little bit over a week there, and I was inspired. I wrote a lot of songs, and I said, you know what? If I ever start another project, a band, I think that would be kind of a unique name for a band because no one really has something like that out there, Yeah. and I thought it would be something unique, so that's how the name came about. Oh, that's very cool. That's, uh, I mean, I don't... I when I saw the name and and at first I was like I was like is that clay or is it K just because of the spelling it's C A Y yeah. right right and you had earlier alluded to the fact that um, in over there they call it key is that is that correct that's correct they would pronounce that like K E Y 
Yeah. Where we would say, okay, but here, here's the funny thing. There's a band called, anything close to this, there's a band that's called Kay's Choice. I remember and I don't that. Know, yep. Remember them? From Australia? I, I believe. No, they're, fr- they're from uh, Sweden, I believe. Sweden, okay. Female and, singer, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. I actually did some gigs with them. I toured with them. Oh. And not not in their band, but right. as a, a support act. Yeah. And that's the closest thing that comes to um, Walker's K. Then you have K's Choice. K's Choice. Yeah. Yeah, I, re- I can't remember their... I remember they had a song. I I don't know if it was on the radio or... But I do remember hearing it. That was like kind of like mid-90s, right? Yeah, I'm not an addict. I'm not an addict. That's right. Great tune. Yeah. Right. Sarah Bettens was the, is the singer. Yeah, that was a great tune. So, yeah, for sure. So um, in terms of collaboration, you guys write the songs together? Like you guys collaborate together? and. Well, what happens is... Um, I kind of get these ideas for songs, either lyrics or a melody or whatever, and I put the song together with everything, and then I ship it over to Mike, and I say ship it because we can't see each other right now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but he kind of listens to it, and you know, and he'll say, yeah, this is good, or maybe we should do this, or you know, maybe do this because this is the kind of lead you know I may want to put in, and he experiments, and then we finally get it together, and it's. It comes together, and then we record it. So that's basically it. How it works is very simple process. So, in uh, like in terms of recording and whatnot, you where would you do that? Did you mention that already? But I can't. Would you guys do you guys have a home studio? Uh, like I guess you both do that. I take well, we we do, but Mike is the studio. Mike is uh, you're not gonna in his house. Yeah, you know his home, the equipment that he has. You have to go by the equipment, and of course the person using it. Yeah. You're not going to find anything better, really, in any multi-million dollar studios because he goes all out. He buys and experiments and, and gets, you know, some of the top of the line uh, hardware and software. So we we do everything except mastering um, right in his home. Hey, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just a technical geek, so I've always strived for that uh, the tone or the the best sound or you know, always looking for that uh, that, that right piece of equipment to do to do the job. Right. But it, like Gary was saying, you have to have the skills too, because you can have all this good equipment, and if you can't do something with it, it's, it's like it's wasted. Yeah, exactly. So, like Mike, in terms of production engineering, like who, who is kind of your influence of like a producer or an engineer that that really that you really like, and someone that maybe you would try to emulate when you're doing production. Uh, a while back, I think Brian Tankersley, which is a country guy, he was a really just amazing uh, recording guy and and also there's guys online i can't think of any major names right now there's a there's another guy that's worked with green day do you remember that guy's name gary the guy that uh, re, uh, remixed the uh, their stuff i don't remember i know i can see his face and his face he's phenomenal and he's a drummer uh by what he used to do before and i think that's how he got into it and then He's got a phenomenal recording studio in, in LA, and it's the yeah. stuff he puts out is just just top notch. Yeah, for sure. But uh, and I like a lot of the uh, the older stuff come from Britain. That they do an amazing job doing the mixes, and the tone that they get is just phenomenal. Yeah, there is something about the British sound, isn't there? 
There is. There's something that I'm got. telling you, it's a great uh, it's great we really try to do it. It's great. You're gonna love it. It's great. We put uh, we put everything up to eleven. Oh, you beat and, me to it. I was gonna say I knew that was coming. I had a feeling that was coming. I was like, and, you know what? There's a spinal top moment coming here. That's right. And that's what we got to tell them we got because it, it, these all go to eleven, not ten. They go to eleven. Yeah, that's hilarious. These go to eleven. But the, yeah, and that's the best one he goes. But why don't you just make it louder and have it go to 10? Yeah. Then he goes, the big pause, the dramatic the pause. pause. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. These go to 11. <laughs> I remember when I first seen that show for the first maybe five minutes, I thought it was real. I thought this was a real documentary. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, man. You know, we're, we're going to be on YouTube or Netflix yeah. or whatever watching it tonight. Now watch. Exactly. Yeah. Well, no kidding. It, I, mean, I mean, there's so many, there's so many little like nuances in that movie. Yeah. That, subtle sure. things that maybe if you watch it like three or four times and then hey i, I totally missed that yeah for sure you know like and um for i mean and it, it's right in the movie it's not really a nuance but like when he's holding up the last ball and it's not plugged in and he's saying listen to the sustain no it's hilarious <laughs> and, and you know you know what makes those scenes more hilarious first of all rob reiner uh, uh you know he he, yeah. he played the part really well you know, like questioning the guys, right? But yeah. put that aside, is when, you know, uh, what's his name there, the guitar player? What's his name again? And, Nigel uh, Tufnell. Nigel, Nigel, right. He, he's chewing gum and smoking a cigarette at the same time <laughs> while he's doing all that. And that's, that, that's genius. The director, you know, why he's chewing the gum and, and Rob Reiner's accent, you know, asking him, you know, about the guitar, like you say, and he's holding up, he goes, just listen, listen, he goes, I don't hear anything. <laughs> and then it was just it, you know, and it's, it, he's chewing the gum, the big wad of gum, and he's got the cigarette. And that's what makes the movie hilarious. The facial expressions, all that stuff. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And just, yeah. And just those, I mean, like thinking about the part where, um, what's his name? Who's the, uh, Derek Smalls goes through the, uh, yeah. customs. Yeah. And she asks him if he has any metal plates. Or anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pulsing the big cucumber. Yeah. Oh, man. There's just, I mean, you could go on about that movie for hours. There's just, yeah. and I mean, yeah. my understanding is that so many bands back then were, you know, they kind of compared themselves to it or they got yep, insulted. I went through it. Yep. Really? I, eh? I, I went through a lot of that. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you, Tyson. Some of the, not, not, you know, a hundred percent of that, but. Some of that stuff with the girlfriend interfering and the this and yeah. showing up and they don't have a room and this and that. You know, you go through a lot of that stuff if you're touring. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, if I can relate, believe me. Yeah. Or like um, not being able to find the stage. Yeah. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's rock and roll. It's rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. That was funny. <laughs> oh, man. It was so good. And you know, you mentioned that. Thank God, I my last touring was in '94. Nin, yeah, '94. And they started backstage when you played a little bit bigger venues as the opening act. You know, you weren't the the uh, major act, the headliner, so nobody really cared about us anyhow. But the point is, it was so good because they started printing out, um, you know, pieces of paper and put them in the hallway with arrows. This way to venue, this way to this, <laughs> yeah. this way to cake. You know, and it was like, oh, I got to eat something this way to catering. And thank God, because I'm telling you right now, some of those buildings are so big. 
Yeah. You never, if you've never been there before, it, it's horrendous to find yourself around, right? It's, it's ridiculous. Now, now I just wonder if, you know how, and like the, the opening band at the end of a tour would get, um, get duped by the, the headliner. I just wonder if the opening band ever did that. I mean, the, the headliner ever, ever did that to the opening band and changed the arrows. Uh, no, it, well, it, not to say it doesn't happen, but it never, ha- it never happened to me personally. And I can say that the uh, several tours that I've been on in the nineties, um, the early nineties, the bands that I've opened for with my band back then, um, they treated us pretty well, even though we didn't have close relationships with them because yeah. basically staff kept us apart. Yeah. But, uh, but no, it was, it was overall very good experiences. Yes. Well, that's good. That's good. Now, now I've read in your bio, it's uh, talking about the music. It's compared to bands such as Journey, Toto, and Styx. Now, those are some pretty heavy hitters in terms of melodic hard rock. Was this the music you both grew up listening to and possibly the reason it comes out sounding like that? Well, for me, um, when I was younger, because again, I'm in my 60s, I grew up, of course, like everyone else, with the Beatles and the Dave Clark Five and the Monkees and all that kind of stuff. But as I started to get into high school and stuff, which was in the 70s, yeah, a lot of the the, uh, more of the British Invasion type of bands and that kind of stuff, you know, the Zeppelins and stuff like that. And then in the 80s, all the hair bands that were commercial hard rock that became melodic, and started to play some really, really good music with good harmonies and that. That's what really sold me on this, you know. And so I guess your question is, yes, um, my favorite bands are the bands we list as influences because it, they're real musicians. They know how to tune their instruments. Yeah. They know how to play their instruments. They know how to write a song. They know how to sing. And the list goes on and on. So, yeah, it's a turn on, right? That's the kind of music I love. Yeah, and I mean, their songs have become timeless now. You know, oh, like, for sure. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, it, it's crazy to think they have a song like Don't Stop Believing." Yeah. More or less because of the Sopranos kind right. of made a huge comeback. And people just love that song still today, right? Yeah, and you talk about that. You know, you talk about the irony. When the Sopranos ended, the last episode, as you know, uh, no one really knew if Tony Soprano was killed or not. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, in real life, he passed away. So now you have the ending of the story, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, while while that music was being played by Journey. Yeah, and it's kind of, I mean, I wonder if the irony in them playing that song was, you know, we don't really know, but don't stop believing kind of thing. You know, like that kind of metaphoric thing that, I mean, that TV people seem to do that, a lot of people may not pick up on, but I mean, it's quite possible that that's why they did it that way. Who knows, right? Yeah, for sure. And 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 Mike, you what? Some of the music you grew up with and you loved that were your influences. You had a lot of Canadian bands, right? That you like? Yeah, actually, one that really sticks on my mind is April Wine, and and just like Gary, he likes sticks a lot too. I was the exact same way. Sticks, April Wine for me. Uh, there's a band, you guys probably heard about them. Maybe Gary Knott is a band called Lee Aaron. You remember that we call them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Phenomenal. Love them. Phenomenal band. I love Lee Aaron. Really do. Yeah. I've seen her perform me about seven, maybe eight times in uh, the show and the guitar sound they have. And 
just whatever they do, I just love all the shows they've done. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of that, I remember the guitar sound on Body Rock and really loving uh, that guitar no. song. You know, like it was just yeah. phenomenal, right? Yeah, and then remember Metal Queen, the, the yeah. start of that song? That was just phenomenal. It was killer. And, and the video's amazing, too. I haven't seen that video in years. It was probably on Toronto Rocks back in the I've seen a documentary on it. They said it took them like uh, 15 hours to record the, the whole video. Like they. They, they had a nice stage set and it looked it looked amazing when they were done. Wow. Yeah, I'd like to see that video again. I might have to look that up on YouTube. Yeah, I'm sure if you go on YouTube, just type in Metal Queen and Lee Aaron, it'll be out there. But yeah, I really got to see her. What's Forget that? Everything else. I just want to see her. Oh, exactly. Well, that too. Yeah. I wasn't going to mention that, but... Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, Tyson saying it's a family show. Man. Exactly. No, it's not. <laughs> well, we can say it. It's all good. I mean, it was, I mean, I remember like back then and it was like Lee Aaron was the, the hot Canadian female. Oh yeah. And then Lita Ford was the hot American female. Yeah. Yeah. Played guitar too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think she's doing jazz right now. I think she's still doing it, but, uh, Lee Aaron, you mean? Yeah. I think she's doing the jazz thing. Yeah. I, I actually saw her at, uh, that festival in London about maybe 10 years ago with, it was her, Joan Jett, yeah, um, Sammy Hagar, and Skid Row. I think it was nice combination. Yeah, it was. But she she mixed in. She do like Metal Queen, but she like made Metal Queen. It was the last song, and it was all laid back and jazzy. It was really weird. That'd be strange. Uh, it was. But I mean, she did some of the rock stuff, and then she do some of the jazz. It was kind of like. I don't know if I like this. <laughs> I wasn't really sure, to be honest with you. Yeah. It was like, I just wanted to see her rock out because especially being in that lineup, right? Exactly. So, but I mean, overall, she, she was good anyways, but uh, it was kind of a weird thing. And the guitar player was phenomenal. I think his name was John Avaney, I believe. Yeah, I can't, you know, I'd have to pull out the album because I don't remember. He got out uh, of the guitars back then. It was phenomenal. Yeah, which was... yeah. Yeah, his guitar sound on, um, I mean, like I said, on Body Rock, like on What You Do to My Body and Hands Off, yeah. Hands Off was yeah. really... recording guy, too, and that's probably why he's got such good tone on his guitar. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, in, speaking of that, in terms of, uh, in terms of guitar players and whatnot, like, um, who, who influenced you guys in terms of guitar? Well... For me, I you see that's a question a lot of people ask, and, and you know they put this. And please, for your listeners, don't take this the wrong way. They put musicians up on a pedestal, and you know what? There's a lot of musicians that we're we're, we're just people, and we yep. play an instrument. So, as far as I don't have any guitar gods or influences, but I'll tell you the work I like. I do like Tom Schultz of Boston. Cool. I like what he's done. I think he plays extremely well especially with his harmonies and his layers and everything that he does for his music. Yeah, exactly. I like Tommy Shaw. I like the, the work he does. I like the guys uh, from Def Leppard, what they do. So, you know, I would say there's a whole potpourri of guitars for me, but not any one particular guy where I'd say, well, he's, you know, he's killing it. He's the boss. You know, that's, that's not me. So I think there's a lot of influences that I have in overall. Yeah, I think I'm basically the same way too. Like Tom Schultz, just like Gary was saying, he's uh, I just look up to his, his style, and he's just a genius when he puts stuff together. 
Uh, uh, Randy Rhodes is another influence on me, and uh, I'm trying to think of some other guys. And also Def Leppard, just the way they layer stuff together, put the songs together. It's just so phenomenal. You know what? It's funny you guys both mentioned Def Leppard because um, I'm you guys being from the area, do you guys uh, go to, like, do you shop at Long and McQuaid? Yes. Are, are they, they going to sponsor us right now if we mention them? But, you know. So. Well, you know what? I'm going to give Kevin Simpson a plug because uh, I don't know if you guys know Kevin. He's the manager over at the Oshawa store, and uh, he's actually he just joined a Def Leppard tribute band. So him and I. Oh wow! Yeah. So he's doing the Phil Col- Phil Collin part, and him and I were just talking about all those ch- textures and yeah. how how especially on hysteria how the guitar parts intertwine together and it's just for a bunch of guys that were in their early 20s i mean what what they did at that time was just phenomenal Well, even before that you know i remember when they first came on the scene i'm originally from new york born and and raised and and the point is when they came uh, to the states and they started touring. They were in their late teens, actually. They weren't That's even... Right. When, yeah. so, I think 18, 19, they were... Yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know, they had to have their parents with them or, you know, people, uh, <laughs> you know, basically, you know, guardians. Guardian. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Because yeah. they were playing venues and stuff where there was alcohol and things served, you know. So, um, yeah. And, 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 you know, Mutt Lang had a lot to do with a lot of that stuff, too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so uh, yeah, absolutely. It's just it's a layered, beautiful, harmonized guitar sound. Two different rhythms going at once. I love that when you have two different rhythms. And by the way, if I may say so, Tyson. Yes. Um, one of the unique things about our band, we're no, we're not any god. We're not anybody. You know, we're not putting ourselves on a pedestal or anything. But what makes our sound unique is ninety percent, nine out of ten songs when we have our guitars going, Mike and I together, I'm always playing an acoustic and Mike's playing electric and you get that really good crunch electric stuff that Mike's playing. And I'm playing a lot of open cording, same thing he's playing, but open cording on an acoustic. Mm. And if you get that mixed properly front of house, you know, out in the venue or on a record that solves all the intricities about music where, you know, when you get the crunch, you're also getting the individual notes that you can hear, and they're not distorted, and they're clean. Yeah. And um, it makes a very, very, very unique sound. Yeah, and you know what? It's funny that you actually mentioned that, because I was going to touch on a few of the, on a couple of the songs. Um, because Tell Me, for instance, starts off as an acoustic. It's, it's kind of like a, you think it's going to be a ballad, and then it kicks in. Um, yeah, I love that actual acoustic guitar sound. It's it's very bright. It's in the mix. It sounds really, you know, like it's, it's somewhat like a, a chorus or with some delay or something on it. And yeah, for sure, it, it's not that normal recorded acoustic sound. And and I I personally love that type of acoustic sound. I like it to be you know like nice and fat and really rings nicely. So I, I kind of get what you were what you were. Um, going with and then like you said the the, the guitars are heavy like with yeah. the with the electric and it's kind of in your face and it's like wow and and i really think it's a a good uh good mix um thank you so you thank mike for the mix thank yeah. you <laughs> well well done man <laughs> very well done a lot of work pardon me uh it was a lot of work doing that that uh it's many hours down in the basement working on it yeah and and it shows and i mean Sometimes, I, I don't know, sometimes you listen to an album and you're like, 
it's almost like they didn't really take the time to to really listen to what the music was and i think i think on this it was it's it's very well done so thank, thank you know thank you for that if i could interject for a second you know it might not sound like it people that listen to those two new tunes tell me and why oh why yeah um the bottom line is for me less is more meaning equipment wise not not layering and overdubbing that's not what i'm talking about mm-hmm. but you know that guitar that i use is a 200 dollars guitar i use a 40 year old chorus pedal wow i'm not in i'm not into a lot of high-end high-tech stuff as a matter of fact i was on youtube really quick here i was on youtube last night actually and I was looking up equipment that all the guitarists, most guitarists tour with nowadays. You know, you go behind the scenes, you look at their guitar techs. Yeah. And almost every single one, almost every single one, I'll repeat that, has a guitar tech backstage in all their effects, all their processing is analog pedals on a, on a drawer that they pull out. And they and they are hitting everything during the show, right? Yeah. So the guy out front, he's got nothing in front of him. Yeah. But everything you see is $40 pedals, $60 pedals, $90 pedals, $24 pedals, duct tape and everything. And you got you got Clapton. You had Eddie Van Halen. I, I saw the guys from Green Day, the guys uh, from um, uh, uh, Boston. All this stuff is pedals, you know, just crap, basically. And that's how they're getting their sound. Yeah, and that's crazy. I mean, I was, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with a band from Switzerland called Godhart. They're kind of uh, the biggest Swiss band in Switzerland. Like, they sell out the Zurich Arena. They're, they're a hard rock band. They've been around for about 20 years, 20, 25 years. But um, just when COVID hit, they had, they had a new album coming out, and they had to do their album release party in their rehearsal spot. So anyways, they go into the rehearsal spot and the main guitar player, Leo Leone is his name. He's got this wall of, of Marshalls. But right in the middle of it is this section, like you said, with all these pedals in it. Yep. You know what I mean? And and I yep. told, as soon as you mentioned that, I was like, that totally set me off and I was thinking about that. And, and you know, and I'm not putting down any other guitars or bands that use more technology. That's fine because you use you want to use, right? It's your personal preference. Mm-hmm. But the majority of those great bands, I was looking at the uh, core setup for, you remember the band Europe, right? Final Countdown? Yeah. Our guitar player out front, he has he has uh, a, a wah pedal. A lot of guys are using a wah pedal for tone, basically, not yeah. for wah. Yeah. And uh, a typical boss uh, tuner, he's got a boss and an MXR chorus, and, a, and he's got an MXR distortion. That's all he uses through Marshalls. Yeah. Now, here's a guy, multi-platinum, multi-millionaire, Hit after hit after hit after hit using $122 worth of pedals. That's it. Yeah, I mean, so, and that's and that's John Norm, I believe it is, and um, phenomenal player. And, oh yeah, oh, just and and you mentioned that wah thing because I mean, like you think of Michael Schenker, yeah, and his wah. That's where he got that throaty sound. He had it. He had it turned on. He didn't use it, but he would have it all the way down to the front, and that's how he kind of got that sound. Yeah, you get the tone out of that, right? That's so, right. Yeah. And, and, and a wah pedal is nothing more than just basically a fancy tone control with a pot in it, right? That's so, right. Yeah. So, and that's what people use. And, and you know, and, and people go, well, I went to see, I was at the ACC up here in Canada, you know, and I was hearing, what a guitar sound. And then if you can go backstage and look at what they use, they go, that's what they use? 
the guy uses a clean guitar through an MXR distortion through a Marshall. That's all he uses. Yeah, that's all he uses. Because you know where the sound comes from, Tyson? You know where it comes from. Your hands. That's exactly. Right. Fingers. Yeah. Your fingers. Your playability. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, I didn't mean to get off on a tangent. No, you didn't. I mean, this is why it's uh, it's nonstop rock talk. Because, I mean, we can more or less talk about anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. And, and, and like you say, as a guitar player yourself, I would hear something that you would play or do, and I'd say, well, that's pretty cool. And then I would try to do that, and then I couldn't do it exactly like you, so it wouldn't sound the same. That's right. I mean, it's that old, I don't know if you remember this, when um, Van Halen toured with Ted Nugent. Yeah, I remember that story. Right, yeah, yeah. and Nugent, Nugent went up to Eddie and asked if he could play through his rig. And because, you know, he had that, that elusive brown sound, right? That's right, yeah. But it didn't sound like Eddie. It sounded like Ted Nugent through Eddie Van Halen's guitar rig. But That's it, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that was a guitar player article. Yeah, it was. And that, I mean, that goes back many years. But I think yeah. so many people have talked about that over and over again. But, I mean, it's kind of phenomenal when you think about it. Because Eddie's guitar tone is just that, you know. It's yep. it's legendary, right? It is. it is legendary. And you feel bad. You talked about Long and McQuaid, and, you know, Mike and I do support that music store. We'll admit it, and we buy a lot of our stuff there, of course. Yeah. But, you know, you see these younger kids who go in there, and, and no offense, and I'm not putting anyone down. It could be older kids. It could be older men. It could be younger women. It doesn't matter. They go in there, and they just, anything that's put in front of them or anything they see, they think, well, that's going to give me the sound. I need this. I need this. Yeah. I need this. And you hear the parents saying, well, we can't afford that right now. Oh, but for me to get that sound, I need it. You know what? <laughs> get, a, get a little $80 amp and a decent guitar and one pedal and kick it in for some crunch. And there you go. Learn to play your guitar and tune it. Sounds right. good. You know? I remember like when I started, I had a little PV practice amp. And I had it like my first guitar was like an Ibanez that my dad bought me. And it was like. 200 bucks or something like maybe 300 yeah. and this pv amp and i used that for years and that's what i learned to play on until Absolutely. until i graduated i got older and i could buy myself a marshall and you know and yep. then and then my obsession with gear you know got went a little further but and the guitars got i know a guy like that yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> mike great there and you know you know and you you mentioned uh tyson what you started with and then what you graduated up to yeah and I think we all do that, but I was on a tour in 93, and my I use a 40-year-old Marshall head that I love. I love that. And and I'm using it, and it, and it blew it blew up on stage, literally. The, the output transformer started on fire. Oh, wow. And there were sparks and everything else, and a flame behind it, and the, all of a sudden, the whole stage was starting to fill with smoke because of the burning. Oh, Jesus. And, of course, one of the techs ran out with a fire extinguisher and killed it, so we had to postpone the show for about 20 minutes or so. And the rest of that show, and for like several shows after that, and this is a tour, these are 10, 15, 20,000 seat venues. I used a little PV Mace amp. Do you remember those? Not I had, off I hand, had, but I think it was probably close to what I used to have, you know. It, yeah, it was just a little 10 inch speaker. Yeah. You know, it had it had gain on it, and, you know, and plus I then added a distortion pedal, but it had a 10 inch speaker. And it was basically, you know, that's my amp that filled the stage and these venues. Of course, you might get right. Yeah. That's all I used. And it worked. I had a good crunch. I had a good sound. 
coming through that PA on the stage. It was cranked through the monitors, and I had this little 10-inch speaker, 35-watt amp, and it was doing it for me. And, and, I, and I mean, I have a story to go along with that. I, um, I did a flyout gig in, uh, in Banff uh, probably seven or eight years ago. So we had to, within three months, we did two gigs at the same bar. So the mm-hmm. first time we go there, you know, every, the back line's there. There's a Marshall uh, 2000JC. I, I can't remember what the, the number was on it. But anyways, a really expensive Marshall. So anyways, the next time we go, we've got our guitars and everything. And I get there and there's no amp on stage. And I said, I'm like, well, what's going on here? Like, I brought some pedals with me, luckily. I think I had a distortion pedal, maybe. I can't remember. But anyways, more or less what had happened was they didn't want to supply the back line this time. Because that gig was actually, we were going to go play in Edmonton at a casino the next night. And more or less, this was kind of like a fill-in gig for us to go and play and then go to Edmonton. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I this guy ended up bringing this amp from home. And I more or less hooked the distortion pedal into it. And it, this thing was old. And I was like, I don't even know if I can get a, a good sound out of this. Right. And sure enough, you know, he mic'd it up. And it wasn't what I was used to, but it did the trick. And I got through the show and all was good. Yeah, and it works, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So less yeah. is more sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I just I mean, I just bought a new a new head and I went to Long McQuaid and I said to Kevin, I was like, I'm looking at this, you know, hundred watt Marshall and he's like this new um it's the equivalent to the JCM eight hundred. They don't make that anymore, but it's the equivalent. And he says he's like, What are you doing? He's like, You don't need a hundred and a hundred watts anymore. He's right. Like, He's like, you're fine. He goes, try this, this Hughes and Kettner. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. He's like, take it home, try it out, see what you think. He goes, I mean, it's got a built-in red box in it, so you can mic directly into the back of the amp. It's got, you know, it's got a ton of settings on it, but honestly, I don't use them because I just, you know, like I primarily use one distortion sound, one clean with a few, you know, like chorus or whatever, whatever I need some some delay little bit of reverb but anyways i ended up buying it and this amp is like it's got settings on the back where you can bump down the amperage you can go 5 10 20 40 and it's and it's incredible and when you put it on the 5 amp setting it just it it just sounds incredible it's it's crazy so i mean sometimes less is is more because i've got so much in that amp that i don't use but because I'm just used to hearing it the way I hear it, right? Right, for sure. But, I mean, I'm really impressed with the amp. But did I need all that stuff in it? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, okay, so the good news is you say to yourself, well, it's there in case I want to use it, in yep. case I need it, or if I want to experiment with it. But, That's you right. know, going, going back to your point, that was a really good decision you make, I, I, I think. And. Yeah. But you have these kids now, they don't, you know, they just go with their guitar gods and their guitar heroes, and this is what this guy has, and this is what he uses, so I'm going to do it. Well, that doesn't mean you're going to sound like him. Yeah, exactly. Ex- so, I mean, I've used a Marshall for years, yeah. but my Marshall's beat up from being, you know, like from so many gigs, and I broke a bunch of knobs on it. I was using a, uh, a Marshall uh, preamp for years, and the stuff just, it doesn't last forever, so... 
it was now the opportunity to to move on to something else. And I said to Kevin, I was like, well, don't you think that head's going to look a little funny on top of my Marshall cap? <laughs> and he goes, yeah. he goes, it lights up. Like, the whole front's blue. He goes, Yeah, I know. They're pretty wild. Yeah, he's like, people are going to love it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. All right, let's roll with it. <laughs> oh, for sure, man. But I think uh, Alex Leithman uses uh, Houston Kevin. Yeah, yeah. He's a big fan of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean German technology, right? They're uh, they're, yeah, they're pretty, uh, pretty impressive. I mean, it looks. When I first got it, I turn all the lights off in my apartment just to look at it, just to see that blue. <laughs> Excellent. Great. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, guys, um, in terms of of live, like once COVID's all over, do you guys get out and play live? Well, yeah, we try to, but, uh, you know, nothing's been going on the last five months, for sure. So, and now um, we're going to have to, we will be auditioning other bass players and drummers now again for our uh, touring, our, you know, gig uh, band. And so once that's out, we will be working with our management company and again, trying to get gigs filled so we can go out and play. And, And by the way, so we're not a cover band. We don't play any cover tunes at all. Just awesome. to let you know that, and like to hear that, and we're not a bar band either. We we would play if you call it a bar, but it's mostly clubs. You know, like mm-hmm. it could be venues from three hundred to fifteen hundred people or more. It's not your nice enjoyed pub or bar where you're in the corner with a four by four stage with a light bulb hanging from the ceiling and one bad receptacle behind you to plug in all your power. <laughs> you know, we're we're not yeah. we're, we're not that kind of band. So. Um, we're more opening for people, bigger venues, uh, casinos, you know, that kind of thing. That's what we're looking to do. Cool. Cool. And, and let's hope that, I don't know if there's going to be live music this year. It doesn't. It's looking tough. It's, it's looking, looking tough. tough. It is. I mean, we're July already and we're thinking about the end of the year, but I mean, the way things are going, it's, it's hard to say, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. So, but you know, and the sad news is not to rain on your parade for nonstop uh, rock talk. Yeah. Um, you know, they're looking at a possible other virus coming out of China that they discovered three or four weeks ago. It's been on the news. Oh boy, um, the swine, another oh. swine flu in oh, the meat. Swine? Yeah, swine flu from you know the meat. Uh, that's been around. Uh, that's been an older one, right? That was What's one that before, mean? right? That's an older one, right? Swine flu? That's the reality. Well, there's been 40 or 50 throughout history, swine flu. But it's another strain, obviously. Oh, I see. strain of swine flu. So they're finding it in their meat supply. Wow. And they're trying to contain it right now. And so far, they haven't had a big breakout or anything, you know, in that country. Yeah. But here's the problem. We have COVID, which probably will not be 100% deleted throughout the winter, you know, and... Most viruses, flu viruses, are around in the winter and are spread easier because people are in close proximity to each other inside the house That's right. or yeah. building, you know. So if you get that one that hasn't totally been eradicated and then you get a new one, who the heck knows what's going to go on, right? We might be in our basement for the next two years. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, right. <laughs> So, so, so listen, all you listeners of Nonstop Rock Talk, don't get discouraged and don't hate Walker's K. Um, but I'm just giving you some news, that's all. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of a let's wait and see what happens and let's hope, fingers yeah. crossed, that, that, that it doesn't become an issue because, right. oh boy. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, guys, before I let you go, is there anything else you'd like to, you know, like promote, say, like your website, anything like that, where they can reach the band? Yeah, absolutely. So what we can do, if you want to, go on the computer and just type in www.walkersk, and that would be C-A-Y dot C-A. So walkersk.ca. And uh, you can just get everything else that you need to get from the, the website. You can get to the Facebook page, you can get to Twitter, get to SoundCloud, you can get to anything we have on there. And uh, just look at the press and you can see the latest updates, what's going on with the band. There's news on there, or there's videos. To, it's like a one-stop shop kind of thing going yeah, on. Yeah, it's a one-stop shop potpourri thing. Yeah, exactly. Like there's merch on there too if you want to check it out. There's a little store if you want to check out some t-shirts and some hats and some other stuff. You guys got it all covered. That's awesome. We're trying to. Oh, good Thank for you. you. Good for you. Thank you. Merchandising is good, right? Getting the yeah. name in oh, there. Yeah. And, oh, that's great. And, you know, and I'll say this. Uh, once we're back into the studio where our warehouse is and we have a lot of merch, uh, Tyson, we'll contact you again and get some sizes from you and stuff. We'll send you out some free merch. Cool. Um, be awesome. Once, once we can get back in there and, you know, get things happening. Okay, great. That's awesome, guys. Well, hopefully, I mean, down the road, hopefully you guys uh, can come on the show again and we'll talk some more, you know, and you've got some new music, what, you know, oh, anything that's happening with the band, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, for sure. And, and we have one uh, thing we want to say to you. What's that? Keep the power grid working. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's all not all up to me, but I'll do my best. You do your best, man. When those guys, when we need supplies, we need cable or tools right, or whatever. Yeah. We need the meters or we need this. Yeah. Tyson is the man to call. Exactly. Uh, you know what? This is the first time that um, we've probably ever mentioned on my show anything hydro related. So yeah, <laughs> so people are probably scratching their head, going, "What the hell are they talking about?" Hydro one. Okay. Yeah. Here, here we go. Just for Tyson. Here we go. Ready? In a world where power is everything, Tyson Braden keeps it going for Hydro One. He's the man that orders everything so you can charge your phone, your iPad, watch your porn, everything. Tyson Braden, he's the one for Hydro One. I like it. That was very good. Excellent, Gary. Yeah, Gary. Wow. Very well, we'll, we'll do some promos if you want when we're done here. So Sounds good. <laughs> Perfect. All right, you guys have a great night. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll, we'll keep in contact. And uh, For sure. Hopefully, when everything's over, I can come out and get to see you guys, too. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Thank you, Tyson, and um, good luck with the baseball stuff, too. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. You have a great Take night. Care. Okay. You too. Okay, Thank you. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.